Welcome to Scale of One to Tech. This is a monthly podcast that offers you the chance to gain valuable insights and learn the unique career journeys from CMOs and marketing directors from some of the most exciting high growth technology companies. I'm your host, Alex Mariner, founder and leadership search consultant at Acquire. We're a specialist leadership and executive search firm within the digital and growth marketing function that exclusively partners with PE and VC-backed technology companies from various sectors such as fintech, health tech, direct-to-consumer, mobility, and more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. This month's episode is sponsored by We Discover. We Discover has supported high-growth companies like CarWow, ThreadFi, and many more. And as specialists in paid search and marketing technology, We Discover aims to be the most consistent source of growth for their clients. If you're a scale-up with multi-million pound growth targets or an already big and successful company looking to invest smarter, our friends at We Discover will make a great extension to your team. You can click the link in the show notes or go to we-discover.com to learn more and book a free consultation. Today's guest is Johan Pavi. Johan is the CMO at Nude. Now, don't get too excited. Nude is the, the fintech app that helps you start building your first home deposit. Johan is a growth marketing leader, passionate about disruptive businesses, network effects, and culture. He's previously worked for Deliveroo, Hurtbox, Depop, and Laced, and he's also acted as a growth advisor to many other startup and scale-up businesses. Let's start the show. Johan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Alex. Uh, it's great to have you on. Great to have you on. Now, Johan, for those that, that don't know you, I like to do a little bit of a, a break the ice, five quick questions. So uh, if I may, when I was young, I wanted to be a... Uh, when I was young, I wanted to be an NBA player. Okay. Which team? Uh, I think at the time it was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow. A bit of a weird one, but I was, I was a fan of uh, Kevin Garnett. Yes. That was his name, which played... For a long time, I think late in the latest year, most more at Boston Celtics, but yep. back in my days, it was Minnesota. Yeah, no, I, I remember that name. I, I was in America for a bit in my early years, but NBA wasn't <laughs> wasn't my sort of area of interest. But he was certainly a name I I remember. Perfect. So my first job was. Oof, I can't remember which one was first, but I was doing kind of two jobs. First summers that I started working, one of them was uh, bin man was actually okay. a bin man for the summer. Uh, and I also worked in retail mm -hmm. for quite a well-known uh, store in France called Leroy Merlin, mm -hmm. Leroy Merlin. I don't know if you say in English. But yeah, be of those two jobs, retail and a bin man. Yeah. Okay. Different. That's fine. It's good. Yeah. If, you know. if I wasn't a marketeer, I'd be a... So I think if I wasn't a marketer, I would probably be what I used to be before being a marketer, which was a, an automotive engineer. Okay. Yeah. You were automotive engineer. For how long? <laughs> for for the, the first few years of my working life, uh, I did an engineering degree and uh, I did a couple of years in the space industry and then moved into automotive for three years. Uh, and I was like a, like a project manager, engineer type of role in the UK, actually in, in, in London. But that's what got me to 
not do that anymore and do marketing. So yeah, I would probably still be that if I didn't change. What are you currently reading? So I'm actually reading the, um, I'm sure you've heard of it, the latest book from uh, Andrew Chen, The Cold Start Problem. Okay. I've been, I've been reading that lately, uh, all about growth and network effects. And yeah, great book. Good. And my, my last quick question and my favorite, tell us something about you we wouldn't get from your CV or LinkedIn profile. It would probably be that I, I, I've been collecting a small amount of sneakers over the years. So I've got a, I've got a good collection of some, some good releases from, from, from over the years. But yeah, collect sneakers. What's your favorite pair? Probably the um, Jordan 1. Yeah, Jordan 1, the classic from, you know, from 85. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Now, Johan, you are currently CMO over at Nude, which certainly for, for those that don't know Nude, it could, could raise a few eyebrows. Before we get to Nude, give me a little bit of brief overview of your sort of career journey up until joining Nude about six, seven months ago. Yeah. So like I said, I had a, a different career before marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, decided to took a, take a 180 degree change in my life. I was around like 25, 26, probably more 26, and started working in marketing uh, for an agency that was a Facebook marketing partner. Right. So I was doing Facebook ads. That's how I learned from, from scratch, really, like trying to, to learn the ropes by doing going back to, you know, square one, like account executive type role. And I quickly moved on to a little startup that was uh, becoming, well, we didn't know at the time, but I joined Deliveroo mm -hmm. in, in a fairly, you know, fairly early days before it was an international, you know, unicorn. How big were they at the time? So it was quite spread in London and other cities in the UK, but not, right. not all of London and yep. just launched in Paris. Okay. So that was, so that was a scale at the time. Yeah. 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 Early. So I was, I was doing all paid social for them. So that's, that's, that was my background really like doing Facebook ads and then moving on to like other social platforms mm -hmm. as they, you know, became what they became, you know, with Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and mm -hmm. so on. So I did a bit of that moved into a company called Perkbox on the B2B side to learn mm -hmm. kind of B2B rope of marketing, which is also very important and has like is on like specificities, even though now there's a lot more crossover between the two, between B2B and B2C. I think it was really, really interesting for me. And after that joined another quite successful company called Depop. <laughs> so I've been I've been lucky twice. <laughs> Picking them well. Yeah, yeah, or picking them well. I think one or one or one or the other, and uh, and that was that was great for another another few years, mm -hmm. growing their like digital marketing team and and picking up a bit more responsibility as I grew over my career over time. And after that, I had a few stints with like much smaller companies, like you know seed stage companies in different fields. I've always been I'm I'm always very curious, so that's I like to try new stuff or like mm -hmm. up and coming kind of new industries, new ways, new disrupt disrupting ways for people to like, you know, interact in, in general in their life. So I think that's, that's what I'm always looking for when I'm, when I'm looking for, for a new role. And, and yeah, that led me to, to nude more, most recently. I did a bit of freelancing yep. last year and that led me to, that led me to nude, which uh, I, I love the team, love the founder, the mission, and I decided to, uh, you know what, let's go back. Let's go back full time and, and try and build this thing. So 
Although the name suggests it's not, right? It's it's nothing naughty. This is this is in the fintech space, yeah? <laughs> it's, as as you can imagine, Nude is a fintech app. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's um it is a fintech app. We focus on supporting first time home buyers to save okay. for the deposit. Mm-hmm. So it has a very uh, unique approach to to fintech. I think like we, we almost look and feel like a lifestyle brand, even though we are a fintech product. It's an app uh, only on iOS for now, and it's been you know going for for more than a year, but a year since you know official launch and like uh, first users. So it's still early stage, but I think there is a there is an interesting development in fintech these days between uh, people who wants to become super apps and kind of do everything and anything, yep. and going more niche mm-hmm. and going from that niche, and that's what I liked about nude i think there is a very nice mission behind it and i think we can do something with that no and i agree and wholeheartedly i've always been very much uh, myself within the sort of recruitment space all about that mantra of inch wide mile deep so i i certainly buy into the the whole niche premise and i was going to say yeah, yeah i mean fintech fintech is is hugely overcrowded i'm sure there are certainly areas and and you guys have identified one that perhaps is uh is not so crowded, but how does or how do you feel marketing sort of plays a part in that differentiation between you and potential competitors? Yeah, so what I, I think there is a, a core differentiation from the start with Nude, kind of starting from the brand and the, and the message and the product itself, because it's tailored to first-time on buyers. And we know how difficult it is, especially in those days this year with all the news in the UK that it is difficult to save. So we, we, we train to cater for that to the best of our abilities. And that allows us to be really laser focused on like the features, what we need to do for these people to make sure that they have the best tools to save for their first home and, and get into the, the property ladder in the, in the UK. I think that's uh, at the core, that's what's beautiful about it. And I think it makes marketing a lot more, I wouldn't say easier, but just more targeted to pinpoint that message to them. And I guess, is that your audience then? Is it more that sort of Gen Z type earlier millennial type market? Yeah, it would, it would be like, you know, the 20 something, but mm-hmm. I, I don't like to put too much demographic or, or age behind it. Obviously, there, there are some some restriction when it comes to first time on buying and the, you know, the account that we offer, which is a a lifetime ISA, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, yes, you're 20 something that, that, uh, that is a first time potential first time on buyers. That's the audience. I guess the reason that I brought it up though, is, is more from a, a perspective of you've worked for some pretty cool upcoming startup scale up brands. Do you find that, that sort of having that as a core demographic, are there particular channels that you found work better than others that, that sort of really, that they tap into? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think uh, I like to try and draw some bridges between companies that I work with. Mm-hmm. Always in hindsight, because you know when you're in a in a in a in the middle of it, sometimes it's hard to see what you what you what's happening around you. But I think what I've noticed when I was at Depop, for example, is there was this strong pool for sub communities depending on your style and who like your tribe you know like who yeah. who do you hang out with how do you dress what does that mean for you in terms of like, what's your identity and like you're driven towards it and that helps build 
communities around that. And I, I think that's what I liked with Nude is that we can do the same thing for that message for first-time home buyers. That is in own right. It's like a sub tribe and a community that we can that we can cater for. And I think naturally when you have that differentiation, you will have some facilities to drive content on social media and your message around that across uh, the main ones, you know, but the, the main one being Instagram and yep. you know, going into TikTok a little bit. And I think it helps making the message powerful and then obviously utilize, to utilize those channels to the best of their ability to get organic reach and, and, and then business results. I know you've only been there six or seven months, so I appreciate this. This next question could be a bit of a tricky one, but Johan, is there a, a best achievement to date that you, you're proud of? And, and also on the flip side, is, is there been a, a big learn that you've, you've come up against during those sort of six, seven months as well? Yeah, so, I mean, there's been a lot of achievements because you know, when you're early in your startup journey, like there's a lot of unlock every month, you know, <laughs> yep. like as you, as you grow. So we've, we've uh, we definitely had some, some record months over the past six months. The one that was really nice to see is that despite our size and our budget, which is, uh, you know, nothing to compare with, uh, with, with some of the other players in the, in the market earlier this year, like we managed to be in, um, in the top, you know, in the top 50, top 40 in the app store for, for quite some times, you okay. know, like amongst, you know, the other big ones. And that was quite uh, amazing for us because we saw early in, in that journey. The other thing as well that we saw, which is marketers will know that it's, it's almost impossible to control that thing is we've been actually mentioned as the app of the day two times in three months okay, by nice. Apple. And you can't really ask for that. It just happens, you know. How does it? Do you know what's the criteria? I've seen it. A few companies have sort of posted it on LinkedIn. We're app of the day here. And what does Apple pick up? What, what is it all about? Yeah, so it's. Uh, I think it's based on a, an asset pack or like something you send to them, and you kind of send it in the the abyss of uh, Apple, and then you pray, you pray that it actually happens. <laughs> and it looks like their content team liked new. Nice. I think it, it it works because our our app is fundamentally different from most of the fintech app out there but the look is different the way we approach the, the features and and the ux is, is is really unique and i think ux is really important for apple when they talk about apps like it needs yeah. to be like beautiful and and well and well done so so yeah that was uh that was probably one of the the biggest one that i can talk about at least so yeah that was great and in terms of the challenges i think um there's you know there's always setbacks <laughs> like never plain sailing you know, it's always, you feel like you're doing two step forward, one, you know, three step backwards sometimes, <laughs> but um, it's, it's trying to figure it out. What is the best way for us to grow mm-hmm. from my past experience? Like I've, I've, I've got a good sense. Uh, I won't say that I surely don't know everything, but I have got a good sense of what can work and, and what cannot work at a certain stage of a company. And it's figured out the mix between those yep. that is a bit, you know, a bit tricky because uh, we're moving a, a thousand kilometers per hour and sometimes things don't work and you have to like be like very agile and just just keep changing your tests, you know, your assumptions with a very small team as well. You know, that, that's, that's, the, that's the, the tricky bit. 
I've got a quick question from uh, our sponsor. This this episode is going to be sponsored by We Discover, and they they want to know what's the biggest marketing opportunity you see for Nude in the next twelve months. I think for us, it's the, um, the ability, like I said, to um, to build features and product around our customers. Mm-hmm. So we're really uh, really focusing focusing on that. The rest. Meaning the rest mainly being like, you know, paid marketing or, you know, other paid opportunities, I feel are less of an opportunity because everyone is playing them to an extent mm-hmm. and it, it's harder to, uh, to be competitive, especially when you, when you don't have the same amount of cash in a bank, you know? So I think we, we, we're going for, you know, full on creativity and product features to, to do the best we can for, for people to save uh, as fast as they can. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Now, Johan, you, I would say, you've gone through a bit of a traditional career path in the sense that you were a, a head of, you then moved into a VP sort of titled position and and now here at Nude, you're, you're CMO. How did you know it was the right time to take on that sort of CMO position? And also, how is it different to the previous sort of senior marketing positions that you've had? It's a good question. I think it really depends on the company that you work for mm-hmm. and the size of the company that you work for. And I think the smaller the company, the less important the title is. Uh, if I tell you my day to day, you know, I do a lot of <laughs> a lot of stuff myself still. You know, like yeah. and I kind of like it. You know, like um, I can run a lot of uh, activity myself, and I keep learning from it, and uh, I think that's great. But I think to know when you're ready it really depends on the size of the company you you want to get to i know for me it would be great with nude i learn as we grow yep. and you know build a team around what we do what's most important at that time and 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 learn to uh, manage bigger team as I, as i grow because in the past i've had Definitely bigger team that I have at, at Nude, but it was at companies that were already at a, at a certain stage, you know, mm-hmm. like certain, you know, past Series B or, or 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 above. And I definitely knew at that time that anything bigger than that would be a bit tricky to manage. You know, like when you when suddenly you're so far away from the execution, you're yeah. really managing managers and their team. I think that's a, that's a different set of skills that is more for when you go for a bigger, larger, you know, organization. So I would say it really depends on the size of the company you, you want to go for that you can evaluate if you're there yet, depending on how many people you're going to manage yep. and the responsibility that that's going to be behind it. For me, for smaller companies, I felt like I was there because of the, the exposure I had on so many channels and campaigns that I've run over the past few years like it was a good time for that size of the company to be at that role and be comfortable and bring value you know at that level yeah you see a lot of cmos i guess traditionally speaking you see a lot of cmos or you look at their profiles and they they come from those sort of more traditional backgrounds the brand backgrounds and then they tack on other stuff as they as they get more senior whereas mm-hmm. uh, i guess you look at your background it's it's the other way you're more of a i guess if we can call it a new age cmo in the sense that you're you you grew up more from a growth digital marketing perspective and have you then needed to tack on that sort of brand and traditional marketing 
at a later stage or is that just something that you're lucky to that's the part that you're learning in this role yeah no so that, that was definitely uh, something I, I, it's good to mention I, I definitely felt many times before a little bit frustrated not being able to have this more holistic view between brand and paid and it's probably going to be a, a hard to answer this question in one pod- podcast or talk about this topic <laughs> in one podcast because it's quite a big it's quite yeah. a big thing in marketing there's been such a change in marketing in the past 10 15 years and i picked it up when i started marketing seven eight years ago from a fairly early stage of Facebook ads. That was like the very like beginning and social media was like just a few years old before that. And it, I feel like it's still adapting, like brands are still adapting to the change and it's going so fast that it's just behind all the time. It's hard to like be, be at the forefront or ahead of the curve in some of the channels or the tactics or what you could do to leverage like uh, certain certain placements and type of, whatever it's paid marketing or, you know, organic growth or network effects. All these things are so new that I did feel like I needed to raise myself over the roles to that level to be able to have the responsibilities to strategize across Mm -hmm. brand and paid or free and paid. And and that's why I feel like need is kind of my... uh, it's like Da Vinci, Mona Lisa, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's going to be my masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned something there that was interesting, network effects. It was something that I've picked up on your LinkedIn profile as well, that, that obviously you're, a, you're passionate about disruptive businesses where we can, we can get that right. You've, you've worked for, for a few unicorns already and uh, network effects though. What's, what's that all about? Yeah. So I think when we talk about growth mm-hmm. most of the time, or at least what I've seen in my experience, there's been a massive pull towards paid marketing mm-hmm. and that's where I come from. So I, I know that very well that when things go well, just put more into more into that until it's not working anymore. And as I was learning that the hard way in, in my career, as, as, as the company I worked for, uh, fell into that trap a little bit of like just going, you know, um, just bigger and bigger into how much can we spend to acquire customer. And I feel like there's been a bit of a gap left or something that needs to be filled a little bit more into going back into the product a little bit Mm -hmm. to make sure we create experiences that we allow your customer to bring you more customer more customers and the more customers you bring, the more valuable your product becomes. And I think when you start, when you start thinking that way, you can uncover some new avenues, some new ideas. And I think there's also maybe a bit of a problem or something that I don't really have a solution for. I think there's many solutions for that, but how do you organize your company to be, successful in that thinking like how do you organize your product team with your engineers your marketing team your brand teams together to think about this kind of ideas this kind of features that would make uh, your product better as you grow as people come through becomes more useful and they bring more people and so on and so forth i think clearly from from my experience 
is something that has been lacking a little bit from from the companies I work for. And maybe again, maybe it's just because it was a picking up thing. Like it was mm-hmm. just you know the way it was organized, the way we were focusing on things were just the way they were. And then you get a certain size, impossible to change. You know, it's yeah. just like becomes like too big of a boat to maneuver. Are there any examples of where it has worked well in your career? I would say, to be fair, I would say right now, like um, mm. one of the things that I think Nude is doing very well and was doing very well even before I joined is they, they were thinking that way. And one example of that is that feature that we, we, we have in the, in the app already, which allows you to team up with your partner okay. across two, two accounts without being a joint account because we know it could be something a bit of a sensitive topic between couples or partners mm-hmm. or friends. So we've got this feature and, and, and we can see clearly, like as soon as we enable this kind of thinking, like it does bring an extra layer of network effect within your audience. Obviously for the, for the sake of this feature, it's a pretty small network because it's two people, but still, if every person you bring brings you an extra person, in the ideal scenario, if everyone does it, you've got an exponential growth right there. Yeah. Obviously, not everyone does it. That's why you need more. But um, but that's what I liked about Nude, and that's what we're going to do. You know, more. It's an interesting way to think about it, but also it's not. It's not just a case of okay. The end goal would be great if you you double the amount of users, right? But but at the end of the day, it's it's actually just making something better for the first customer. And that, in effect, then brings in brings in more. So it's it's a win win. Exactly. Growth and growth marketing. I, I've not necessarily touched on this topic. I think the last time was with was with Curran. I think on one of the first episodes. But obviously, you're passionate about growth, and you're a growth marketing leader. So it's it's only right to ask you. It's been a big buzzword over the last two or three years. I mean, there are certainly you can find positions on LinkedIn that are probably called growth or growth marketing that. Actually, if you look at them, they're just general performance marketing roles. I think a lot of companies have just jumped on the bandwagon and they think it's something cool and it might make them look better. But when it comes to growth and growth marketing, and certainly having spent time with a number of certainly startups uh, in the last sort of few years, where is it you think brands go wrong and how do you get growth marketing right? Big question. So I think one of the things that is usually goes wrong is that it kind of stops at, uh, I'll give it a clear example. It kind of stops at the referral program. Mm-hmm. Like a referral program would be the go-to growth kind of like mechanism that people would go for. And what do everyone do? They give 10 pounds, you get 10 pounds. You give 20 pounds, you get 20 pounds. It's been done for, you know, five years, six years now, like, and everyone does it, right? So I think that's where growth can go wrong when it's just, it becomes that like one size fits all, everyone copies each other and does the same thing. And in fact, it's not truly free, nothing is free, but it's incentivized. So mm-hmm. it, there's a little bit of, you know, uh, of, of money exchange as well in, in the process. So I think, I think that's, um, one of the problem, I can't think of many examples, but that's, that's definitely one that I, I see. But you, you're right. I think growth has been used as a buzzword. And that, to be honest with you, that's why in my, my recent years, I never really called myself or 
in in the titles like growth, mm. you know, chief growth officer or whatever. I think growth comes from like an organization yep. uh, standpoint. It's cross-functional. So uh, however you want to organize that, but it's between teams. It's not really one person or one set of, you know, a small amount of people that owns it. It really comes from like a joint effort. Um, that's maybe another one. Um, and I think to do it right, you kind of have to do the opposite of what I just said, you know, like mm-hmm. really try and think about how do you organize thing I mentioned it before, like the product team, engineers, marketing brand together in a way that they can talk to each other, each other and align on the same goal, the same North Star metric. First of all, find that North Star metric with a bunch of testing and, you know, that comes early, early stage. But, you know, there's like those examples from like Facebook connecting seven friends in seven days. I think that mm-hmm. was their, their kind of growth North Star metrics. And I think there was another one for Airbnb. I can't remember, but I know we had, we had one at Depop that I probably can't mention, so I won't mention it. But uh, you have to find that metrics and then align each other across, across teams mm-hmm. to make sure that every decision you make is going to, be focused on impacting moving that needle because you know that's going to accelerate growth and ideally organic growth and people just enjoying your product faster get mm-hmm. to the aha moment what they call it or there's, there's different words for that but get to that moment as fast as possible and and for them to give them the tool for them to then shout about it to their friends to you know to to their network so more of a so, culture thing and i and i guess from what you were saying that before before launching Acquire, I spent a little bit of time within within Trainline, and I know there at the time they were putting together squads and tribes, and it was kind of picked up from the way that Spotify originally had. So you buy into that from an operational perspective? That's that squads tribes. That's a good way of of doing it, or or not? I don't think it is. I actually read. I think it was from someone at Spotify who actually wrote an article about the fact that it was funny that everyone picked up on the Spotify model because it actually never worked at Spotify. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the I can't remember the the details, but it was something along the lines that yeah, like in, in theory it sounded good but it, it didn't work. And I I don't really have the um, the solution for like bigger organization because mm. I, I to be frank I never seen it working. Yep. In, in the bigger companies that I work for. But when you're a small startup with a smaller team, it's a lot easier and it doesn't have to be that complicated. It's just a little bit of alignment between the key stakeholders of these teams and making sure they communicate right to their, to their team. But, you know, every team is quite small, so it's, it's easy. And like I said, I think as Nude grows and, you know, hopefully we keep hiring and, and growing the teams, I will have to... I would have to come back and tell you, like, if I, you know, found the right, the right mix. But I don't, I don't think there is one solution. You know, I think it really depends on the business, and you have to find the right people that can work to, together nicely, and then put the right processes around them to just push in the same direction. So I guess as a small startup, you have an advantage in the fact that uh, you can probably do it easily, easier, and, and get to your yeah. aha moment maybe, uh, maybe quicker in that sense. Yeah, Johan, you're a um, a valued member of my CMO and marketing director forum, which has certainly been been growing since February last year. I know one of the the topics that that many of the CMOs, marketing directors, VP of marketing uh, in their 
Facebook and iOS 14, it's it's always a, a fairly hot topic of, of conversation. How do you approach it? I, I mean, these are big challenges, right? And again, you could probably do a whole podcast episode just on these two. But when it comes to Facebook, when it comes to iOS 14, how have you approached it? And do you have any advice for those that maybe are struggling in these areas right now? Yeah, so uh, it definitely it's been a it's been a tough uh, twelve eighteen months since uh, was it was it a year since I was sorting? Yeah, maybe a yeah, bit more than a year yeah. now. Preparing for the change and then the change mm-hmm. happening, then more change within the change, and it's keep changing, and um, and then we just need to just need to adapt. I think what I found is that going back to the source of truth, especially when you have an app, going back to the app store numbers is like, yep. you know, going back to where you can you can trust the app store and your database. You know, like that's where the the big numbers are and that's what that's where you can trust. But to be honest, like it's uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, it's, it must be tough for Facebook and you know, like I think we've seen like in the first time in the first quarter they actually announced like, you know, um, lower numbers than mm-hmm. um, than the quarter before, like actually decreasing in um, their, their growth. I think because of advertisers pulling out, losing revenue on, on advertisers pulling out budget. If I knew it was going to be like this five or six years ago when I started uh, doing like really scaling Facebook ad, I, I wouldn't have complained back then because that was easy <laughs> back in the days. Now it's, now it's tough. There's massive discrepancies, I think. With all the platforms and, and and what you see on the on the app store, I think if you have an Android app, you're a little bit more covered because it's uh, that that's, that definitely works. I actually had um I did an uh, an event like last year and I asked um, everyone in the audience the exact same question and what they were doing about this. Everyone said we're just moving our budget to Android, like no solution, just moving budget. And I was, I felt quite deflated. I was like, wow, no one has a solution. Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're still a little bit in that stage. I think um, if you're, if you're um, a web based product and using Pixel, you're a little bit more protected. There's more ways around, around that and tracking and, and events. I think for, for you to build better proxies to attribution, but when you're an app, and an iOS app is definitely tough because you're just, you know, fighting the changes as they as they come. And uh, I'm in close discussion with MMPs, like mobile measurement partners, to like find solutions for attribution and being a bit more granular or try and try and see how much data we can we can pull from from this thing, you know. But um, but it's uh, yeah, it's definitely not a straight straightforward question. And I don't really like predictive all this kind of predictive model and everything, I always feel like it's uh, it's uh, another buzzword or something that sounds nice, but in fact, doesn't really work. So yeah, I'm still in the middle of it, to be honest. Okay. We've spoken about some of the, the good things throughout your career, some of the highlights. I know for anyone, it's it's not always plain sailing though, right? Has there been any specific career catastrophes that perhaps you looking back now have really helped to shape who you are today? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, catastrophes. There's definitely been a few. Which one is the worst? <laughs> 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 I'm trying to pick. I can't remember the exact example, but we definitely messed up a few 
paid campaigns back in the days in terms of who we're targeting, who we're targeting them with. But mm-hmm. there's probably been a couple of times at Depop where we were targeting clearly the wrong outfits for the wrong demographic for, for a couple of weeks until we, we, we realized why it was so bad <laughs> and, then, and then find out we were targeting uh, something targeted to, uh, to, I don't know, I can't remember exactly the, the example, but the, the details, but it was something around those lines. The thing is, because I, I never directly myself managed, for example, email marketing. I don't have this kind of email marketing example where like blasted thousands of people <laughs> with the wrong message. That never happened to me, luckily enough. But it was more around like marketing and, and ads on like Facebook and, and things like that. Um, yeah. So I don't have a better example. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. What about, I, I want to stay with, with challenges on the challenges theme. And from a CMO perspective, what challenges, Johan, do you see CMOs and senior marketing leaders facing this year? And I know, obviously, different business models will be facing different things, and it's all yeah, a little bit different, specific to their industry. But from a general perspective, what, what do you see as the, the big challenges facing you and other CMOs this year? I think besides attribution, which we mm-hmm. spoke about already, I think... I think there's still a massive transition into being more native when it comes to creating content okay. for brand. And a good example for that is, uh, is TikTok. You know, I think uh, it's still a challenge, including for me to navigate what should be the best strategy for us as a brand to like go into this platform and make the, the most of it outside of ads. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a lot to do there, but you know I don't know if most of us in uh, in this the, the the senior marketers have made the the same transition for Instagram yet. You know what I mean? Like I think there's still like some catching up to do, but I think for me it's more like going into TikTok and and thinking of, of ourselves as a more of a media company when it comes mm-hmm. to content than just churning out a, a couple of posts a week on Instagram and a blog a month, you know, the kind of basic stuff. I think that's a, that's a big challenge. Talking about media and content, I know you had your own uh, and still do have your own podcast, right? I, I know that it's been somewhat neglected for a little while, but it's something maybe <laughs> you, you're looking to bring, revive from the dead and bring back up. Tell us, are there any favorite episodes? Well, firstly, Tell us all what was the podcast called so people can yeah. go and find it. And then are there any particular episodes that you're you're quite proud of that you'd say, yeah, do you know what? If you're a CMO, senior marketing leader, or anyone in marketing, go and check that one out. Mm, yeah. So January last year, I launched a podcast, which I did one season of. It was called, and it's still called Digital Marketing Finesse. Mm-hmm. And it was 10 episodes. So it's on pause now, but I'm glad I did a season season one so i can just pause it and come back with season two strong you know like netflix come every year so it was to bring marketers but not only marketers also creators and um, creatives to a podcast to kind of talk around the the points of marketing because they themselves do their own marketing and think about marketing a certain way And, and to try and build a community around it so at the time I also launched, uh, similar to you, I had a, a group on WhatsApp 
which was a broadcast, um, managed to build that up in like the space of a few weeks, like 300 people. And they were, I was chatting with them back and forth and they were asking me questions around marketing, different channels, etc. That was really cool. It was just like a lot of time to manage that by myself. I really wanted to do it because I'm really, like I said, I'm really curious for anything, marketing, advertising, and, and, and different channels. I wanted to do that by myself to to know how it, what it feels like to actually do a podcast, mm-hmm. a podcast not in my first language as well, which is also another <laughs> yep, another true. added challenge. And uh, yeah, I was really, I was really, really proud of it. Like you said, it's still live. I might bring it back at some point uh, when I have a bit more time on my plate. This this hard, or I might need a team to help me. And I think uh, I don't I don't have a particular favorite. Like one of my favorite episodes is just because I was a bit of a fanboy of the person I interviewed. It was interview based, and one of them was uh, this guy called Alan, who's a kind of a creator influencer on Instagram. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's got multiple pages on Instagram, like, uh, and uh, we kind of dress the same, and like it's kind of a style uh, kind of page. And I've been following him for for ages, and I kindly asked him to be a guest. And what I found with podcasts is most people just say yes; they just want to be on podcast. They want to talk about their journey, what they what they've done. So mm-hmm. we had like a lovely discussion. I was also it was the first time I was talking to him after just like having some messages on Instagram and kind of interacting on a, in a, in a jokey way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had like a, a very nice discussion around, you know, being a content creator on Instagram, growing an audience. What does that mean? What's important in growing an audience organically on Instagram, having multiple pages and what is like day to day look like. So his, his handle is old man, Alan. He's not that old, uh, <laughs> about my age, but, uh, but he's a very, very cool guy. Yeah, that was a great episode, but all of them are, are great on different topics. Like some of them are more about SEO, some of them are more about paid social, uh, some are more about content and just like living off of your creations and the content that you produce. So yeah, really cool, really cool one. And today I actually launched a newsletter version of, of that on LinkedIn. Well, or a version of that one, I'm just going to talk about marketing and, and growth, growth, growth in general. So that's launched as well on LinkedIn. You can find me and subscribe to that. Nice. I think we were saying before, I, I saw it at four, five, eight, and and you, I think you were saying 600 people already. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aiming for a thousand people in one day, Alex. That's the, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> Lovely. Well, hopefully you do it. I know this comes out in a couple of weeks, so we'll, we'll definitely know by then. And, and hopefully it's way north of a thousand by, by that point. Thanks. Look, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show today, Johan. It's been lovely to, to have you on. Just to wrap up, I guess for anyone who uh, perhaps is needing to save for their uh, their first deposit, where and how do they go and do that with Nude? Yes, yeah, so the, the main uh, way to find us is on the App Store, iOS. Just type Nude on the App Store. Don't be scared and you'll, <laughs> you'll find us. Or Nude Finance if you really want to find us first. And then on our website, get Nude com and uh yeah come join the the community <laughs> lovely job all right Johan. thank you for your time thank you alex for inviting me thanks for listening to this month's episode if you have anything you'd like to share then please feel free to get in touch with me if you've enjoyed the show then please do leave a five-star review on apple podcasts and as always you can follow us on our linkedin company page or on Twitter using the handle at 
S-O-O-T-T podcast. Until next time, take care. This month's episode is sponsored by We Discover. We Discover has supported high-growth companies like Carwow, ThreadFi, and many more. And as specialists in paid search and marketing technology, We Discover aims to be the most consistent source of growth for their clients. If you're a scale-up with multi-million pound growth targets or an already big and successful company looking to invest smarter, our friends at We Discover will make a great extension to your team. You can click the link in the show notes or go to we-discover.com to learn more and book a free consultation.